Exodus 22, verses 16 and 17, these are the words of God. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. A couple of things that uh, are necessary for differentiating uh, what sort of situation this, uh, these two verses are treating. And the first is this word entices, uh, which can mean seduces, allures, persuades. Uh, in the context... Uh, we might even say uh, romances. Uh, this is not a rape situation uh, where the woman is unwilling. That is handled in uh, Deuteronomy 22, 25-27. And of course, the man in that situation is executed. Uh, and it is not an adultery situation. Uh, neither of them have been uh, betrothed. Uh, if she were not even married, if she were just betrothed, uh, then they would be considered adulterers. And again, the penalty for that in Deuteronomy 22 is execution, is death. This is a situation where a man has romanced a woman, uh, and uh, before they are betrothed or married, uh, they willingly commit immorality. They uh, indulge in uh, the actions of the marriage bed without the benefit of the marriage that makes it the marriage bed. Uh, And uh, in that case, uh, the penalty is actually here, uh, we might say, very merciful, uh, since we know that uh, in any other situation, the, uh, the same action Uh, would uh, require death. Uh, And yet, although it is merciful in that it is not immediate death, the penalty is actually extremely severe. Uh, Because uh, by uh, romancing uh, and then fornicating, uh, these two have cut off from themselves any hope of marrying any other again. They just eliminated all of the options that they might have had. Uh, The man has uh, put himself out 50 shekels, uh, which is, or shekelim, if you want to pluralize it in Hebrew, uh, almost twice uh, the price of a maidservant, uh, for instance. But the bride price was uh, 50, uh, and he loses the 50 whether or not he gets the bride. And you can imagine uh, that verse 17 uh, would usually be the clause that takes effect. Uh, If this was one of my daughters, absolutely, uh, the father would utterly refuse to give her to him. Uh, This is not the the man who romanced my daughter and led her into fornication. And now I want her to be consigned to be the bride of such a man for the rest of her earthly days? Absolutely not. Better for her to be an unmarried daughter in my house, an upstanding house where God will be known and her soul will be cared for, 
than to be a wife in such a man's house. I would utterly refuse. And so the man is out uh, 50 shekelim. He's also known as a fornicator. He probably uh, cannot get married himself at all. What other father is going to give his daughter to such a man uh, after all of this has taken place? Uh, and of course, uh, the daughter having been spoiled uh, or despoiled, we could even say, because of the enticing, the romancing uh, that took place that brought her uh, into uh, this situation, she would have no hope of marriage either, uh, which ultimately does end up being a death sentence. Uh, even if a child were to result from that union, that child would be brought up uh, in the household of her parents uh, as a stepbrother uh, of sorts, uh, would belong to that household, and the man's name would not be perpetuated uh, in Israel. And so they would live out uh, their days, as it were, uh, but a godly person desires uh, that... Uh, even after they leave this world, they leave more image bearers in this world. Uh, and especially when uh, evangelism was not really an option, right? The, uh, the Israelites didn't have a plethora of people that they could evangelize and convert, and we don't get the idea that they were particularly interested in such things, and it wasn't the time yet of the outpouring of the Spirit in which God who has elected all whom he is going to save, is going to gather in the nations and mass. You know, those Gentiles who do come in after that mixed multitude uh, in Exodus chapter 12 that came out with them in Egypt, those Gentiles who do come in are the exceptions and not the rule. Now, if you are a childless uh, Christian, you still have the opportunity uh, to uh, leave renewed image bearers behind you by way of evangelism. And of course, if you are uh, a believer to whom the Lord gives children, uh, one of your, the legacy that you leave is especially in God's blessing upon uh, your bringing up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, that they uh, would fear him and become believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit attending the means uh, that are theirs as a privilege of being in your home, as a privilege of being in the church. But for these two, the couple in Exodus 22, 16, and 17, their legacy dies. Their name and the most important form of influence that one can have perishes from the earth. And so there is something like a death sentence, but it's one that takes the rest of their lives uh, to finally and sadly be executed. Uh, and so you see the Lord takes the aping of or the attempt to have the action of the marriage bed without marriage. He takes it extremely seriously. And this is a tremendous rebuke to a culture and even a church culture that doesn't take it seriously. This is a tremendous rebuke to each of our hearts when we are tempted to lust or desire uh, either the... Uh, the physical action, or even, without betrothal, the romancing that leads to that physical action. Uh, the desire to have the heart component of marriage without marriage uh, is uh, inwardly and spiritually 
similar and analogous and parallel. And uh, there are many who offend God, both by putting themselves at risk of desiring the physical component, because we're whole beings, and the two go together. And not only do they put themselves at risk of that, but they indulge their hearts in this enticing or alluring or romancing uh, that brings these two uh, into under the the dreadful penalty in verses 16 and 17. And if a father, after reading and understanding these passages, these two verses, would still uh, give his daughter to such a man as this, then uh, surely there must be greatly extenuating circumstances or else the extenuating circumstances just. He's not a father who cares enough about his daughter's soul, which itself would be a curse to find out. The daughter in such a situation as almost always used to happen, I don't know how perverted our culture has become so that consciences are seared, but the daughter almost always has instant regret and if not instant regret, then eventual and lingering and horrible regret, she may consider it a curse even if her debt agrees. So the Lord takes this very seriously. And this is one reason why we should not only be careful about the physical purity, the marriage bed purity, but also the enticing or alluring of the heart before betrothal, uh, that we would have... Uh, that we would have chosen and committed uh, that a marriage uh, is a good match, is wise, that she is godly and that he is godly, uh, and that we have every reason to believe that they will do well, and we made a commitment based upon that, and then in the context of that commitment leading up to the wedding day, you start that enticing, that romancing, that persuading, uh, so that in between the betrothal and the wedding, you have the uh, emotional foundation, the heart foundation of what will be what will be enjoyed and finally celebrated uh, in the marriage bed on the wedding night. Uh, so the Lord help us to to take marriage and purity of marriage and the heart and the marriage bed. Uh, as seriously as the seventh commandment teaches us, and even as this part of the Israelite civil law that he gave them teaches us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this portion of your word. We thank you, Lord, that as you have given us to move steadily through your word together as a family in the years of the bringing up of these your children in this one of your households, that you cover everything that we need to hear, and particularly this thing, that in the context of our culture we so desperately need to hear. We pray that you would help us to first and foremost give our hearts to you, and second of all, desire to have good marriage in the order in which your word teaches us, uh, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, give to all godly marriages this uh, affection and alluring 
and romance uh, that you have designed to be the heart component and that it would be kept pure, the wife only for her husband and the husband's heart only for his wife. We thank you for the picture that you give us even in Hosea uh, of your graciously uh, drawing out uh, to yourself in the wilderness the rejected and adulterous wife whom you bring back to yourself. For indeed, that is what we have been. And yet you have loved us and given yourself for us and taken ourselves to you. And I pray, Lord, that not only the future marriages of uh, our children, but my and my wife's marriage, all of the marriages represented in our congregation and in all the congregations of your church, that they might have both heart romance and uh, marriage bed celebration, and that the heart romance would be kept pure and exclusive, and that the marriage bed celebration would be kept pure and exclusive. O oh Lord, teach us to, to treat this as weightily as your word does, as you do, and help us to love you with this part of our lives and with all of our lives, for we ask it through Jesus. Amen.